uh, ordinarily I tell you, tell you you're going to sit with them, but tell them you'll sit in the same area code. Um, and uh, But encourage somebody to come and, uh, with you next Sunday. Encourage you to be here uh, for, that, uh, for that Sunday. All right, Jeremiah chapter 4. We've been talking about repentance for about three weeks now, and I want to kind of finish that topic out uh, this morning. And as I thought about this text um, and thought about how, how we have moved through all the aspects, really, maybe not all the aspects, but the aspects of repentance that Jeremiah uh, discusses, uh, the rest of chapter 4, we're not going to look at the, the, complete, the, the whole, we're just going to look at a, a piece of the remainder of chapter 4. And we're going to talk about um, the results of refusing repentance. The results of refusing repentance. We've talked about how you repent. We've talked about what repentance is. Um, and I, I want to spend a little bit of time this morning uh, looking at the warning that God gave to Judah, uh, telling them what was going to happen uh, if they rejected God's offer uh, of repentance. If you remember last week, uh, we saw several places where God said, Return. Uh, return. Uh, he keeps calling on them to return. Um, and he, they have an option. Uh, they have a choice. They don't have to return. Uh, so he says, here's uh, the option. Here's what happens uh, if you don't. And um, as I uh, go through this morning, I was um, uh, thinking about this text and thinking about what, um, how I wanted to approach it and how I uh, was feeling, uh, kind of led the direction I was feeling. Um, and, and I don't know why, why God took me there and why this is what I thought of, um, but <clears throat> 30-some years ago, uh, when I started preaching, I would have probably approached this uh, in a completely different way. Uh, I would have probably been ranting and raving and spitting to the first row. Um, you better repent now. Um, with a few years on me and some experience, uh, I feel like um, I am old enough now. Uh, it was really odd many years ago to preach to people who had been saved, literally many of them longer than I had been alive. Uh, that's a really awkward, uh, really odd experience to preach um, when, uh, you know, when you're 20-some years old and you're preaching to people that's been a Christian 40-some years. That's a, uh, a unique experience. But now, um, as I am uh, creeping up in age and feel like I've got a little more uh, time and experience under my belt, and now that I am uh, a pawpaw, uh, I can... Um, I can. I just want to talk to you a minute. Um, whether you're here, whether you're joining us online, uh, I want to kind of sit down with you. Um, if I if I had a rocking chair, I'd get my rocking chair and have you come sit down around me. And let's let's just talk about repentance for a minute. Let's talk about the the, the again the the result of refusing it. Uh, and uh, again, I'm, I want to yell at you and shout at you because just like God uh, with the people of Judah, you've got an option. Uh, you don't have to repent. You can continue uh, in the direction. You can continue uh, to go in the way you're going. Um, and that's you know, and, and God is uh, God, God is a patient and long suffering God, and will allow you uh, to to go that route. 
but know uh, that um, like every choice in life, like every decision we make in life, there are uh, rewards and there are consequences. Every decision we make comes with uh, benefit uh, and consequence, whether that's what you choose for lunch. Uh, you know, whatever you choose, every choice uh, has consequences and benefits, some obviously far, uh, far more significant than others. Uh, but uh, what you do, what we do, uh, with repentance uh, has several uh, consequences that I, that I want you uh, to notice this morning uh, as we look at uh, how God, through Jeremiah, warns Judah. Uh, as we pick up in verse 5, um, he says to Judah in, in this whole section of verses uh, 5 through 9, uh, he uh, describes, and I'm just going to paraphrase, he says, Declare to Judah uh, and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, Blow the trumpet through the land, cry aloud and say, Assemble and let us go into our fortified cities. Uh, what uh, Jeremiah is describing um, is uh, their... Uh, how many, everybody in here is familiar uh, with the emergency broadcast system, Right? Uh, right in the middle of your... Why they can't do that at 3 o'clock in the morning, I don't know. Uh, but they do that right in the middle of your favorite show in prime time. That beep, you know, and block out your show. Uh, it, I struggle a little bit with the idea that we, here we are in 2021 and, and our emergency broadcast system depends uh, on me being in front of my television when they set off that, uh, that alarm. Uh, but that's basically what Jeremiah is describing. Here. He's describing uh, Judah's emergency broadcast system. Blow the horn. Uh, get inside the fortified cities, the walled cities. Uh, raise a standard. Put up the flag. Have you ever seen the uh, flags at the beach that tell you there's a, uh, there's a riptide or it's dangerous swimming uh, that the, the lifeguards will put up? Raise a standard. That's what he's saying. Raise up the flag. Let everybody... Uh, many people didn't live inside the actual walled city. Uh, they would live out around it where they could farm and tend to their animals, but close enough that they could get inside the walls uh, if attacked. And so Jeremiah says, blow the horn, uh, raise the flag, let people know uh, they need to come inside uh, the city. For I bring disaster from the north and great destruction. A line has gone up from his thicket. A destroyer of nations has set out. He has gone out from his place to make your land uh, a waste. Your cities will be ruins without inhabitants. Put on sackcloth, lament, and will uh, for the fierce anger of the Lord. Uh, and in that day... Courage shall fail kings and officials uh, and the priests. And so what God says to the people of Judah, he says uh, that as we look at this, uh, he says discipline uh, is already predicted. Uh, the discipline has already been established uh, for, uh, for the people. If you refuse to uh, repent, 
And he says, there is, a, uh, there is a people coming from the north. And we know now, uh, history tells us that that was uh, the Babylonians. Again, uh, Babylon was not actually to the north, uh, but that was just the easiest route uh, of access. And so they swung around. They came down uh, from the north uh, and swarmed down uh, on, on the Israelites and they came in and attacked and destroyed their city, overrun their city, took them captive, uh, left the city in rubble, uh, plundered, killed, kidnapped, uh, took captive uh, all the people. God says that has already been decided. If you don't repent, he said the judgment uh, has already been established. The judgment judgment has already uh, been described. It's already uh, been uh, set aside. It's almost, uh, the image is almost as God, uh, his executioner, uh, is standing there uh, with his sword already drawn, uh, just waiting uh, for the word, uh, just waiting for God to say go. It's almost uh, as if the Babylonians, uh, if you've ever watched a horse race, uh, one of the most exciting about two seconds in all of sports uh, is when they load the horses uh, into that gate and the horses are chomping at the bit and they pop open them gates and them horses take off. It, Babylon is effectively like the horses uh, at the starting gate and they are standing there uh, just waiting uh, for God to uh, to give the permission for God to open the gates and they are going to swarm in and destroy uh, Judah. They're going to come in and wipe out uh, Jerusalem. And so we see the first thing uh, that we need to understand about refusing uh, repentance is that discipline is already predicted, that it is set aside, uh, that it is established. And I want you to know this morning, uh, I realize that um, in our day, in our culture, uh, that this is not uh, a popular thing for me to say. But I want you to know today that if you refuse repentance, then discipline is already established. Bible says that God has already established the discipline for those uh, who refuse to repent. You know what it is. Uh, you've been around church long enough, uh, everyone in this room. Uh, don't know about those online because uh, I don't know uh, who's there. But uh, those of you in this room, you know what that discipline is. God says uh, that He has created uh, a place, uh, a special place, actually prepared for the devil and his angels, uh, a lake of fire, uh, that in that day, all those who have rejected God, all those who have refused repentance, he says, those will be cast into that lake of fire, where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, uh, where, uh, where you would give uh, everything you have ever possessed or could think of for just one drop of water. I remember the story of, uh, of the rich man in the book of Luke uh, when he says, listen, uh, just send one of your angels, just send Lazarus down with just a, a drop of water on the tip of his finger just to, to wet my parched tongue. Listen, 
I know today that's not uh, popular uh, culture. Uh, I know uh, that many even in the pulpit today uh, are not preaching that. There was a, uh, a scandal uh, several years back now, man, by the name of Rob Bell, uh, wrote a book called Love Wins. And his uh, premise in his book was that even those who die lost and go to hell, eventually love wins. And by that, uh, he meant that even those uh, who go into hell, eventually God goes and gets them and redeems them, brings them out of hell, and takes them to heaven. Folks, that may be what Rob Bell's book says, but that's not what God's book says. God's book doesn't say anything like that. God's book says when you leave this world, your eternity is set. Your eternity is established. Folks, I want you to understand this morning something you need to know. Every person in the sound of my... Well, they don't have to be... Every person... You don't have to be in the sound of my voice. Every person, you are going to live forever. The only question is where. The only question is where. We had it on our marquee out front several years ago that said, uh, eternity has two choices, smoking or non-smoking. Listen, judgment, discipline has already been established. You can refuse to repent. But you need to understand your, 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 your discipline has already been decided. How many of you have ever been through that thing where uh, maybe mom or daddy said, if you don't do so-and-so, then I am going to fill in the blank. Some people's house stand in the corner, time out. Uh, you know, I don't think I've ever been given time out in my life. You know, uh, I said, you know, but whatever it was, but how many of you have had that happen only to have mom or daddy actually end up backing down and not doing it occasionally? Not often, but sometimes they'd forget or something. They wouldn't go through with it. Once in a blue moon. If I killed my children every time I threatened to, I'd be doing 47 life sentences. Yeah. I would have got the electric chair in front of a firing squad. Yeah. Listen. You know, but what I want you to understand this morning, when God says that the discipline for failure to repent is eternity separated from Him. And I want you to understand something very seriously this morning. I want you to understand that in my opinion, this is my opinion only, that the greatest torment, the greatest pain, the greatest suffering of an eternity in hell is not the fire. It is not the smoke. It is not all those things. It is an eternity being separated from God. It is an eternity being separated from all of good. And can I tell you number two, I think for most people, one of the worst torments of hell is for many, especially those, uh, 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 well, let me just, this number two is going to be, there are going to be many people who end up in hell, who they're going to be there with their, their friends, their loved ones, their co-workers, and their friends and their co-workers and their family members are going to look at them and say, you went to church. Why didn't you tell me about this place? 
judgment, discipline has already been predicted. The second thing that he says, um, I don't have glasses no more, so I can't read my Bible. Uh, Number two, the second thing that he says uh, is done uh, in verse 10. Ah, found him. In two different places. That's not a good sign. Uh, Verse 10. Verse 10. Somebody read verse 10. How's that? Somebody stand up and read it real loud. Go ahead, Nancy. In that day, he says, there's coming a time. Say, I can see into the future with these things. <laughs> said, you have utterly deceived the people. Second result of failure to repentance is not only that discipline has already been predicted, but the deception is presented. When the, the day will come when you fail to repent that you are going to wake up and realize, I messed up. That will also, to me, be one of the worst torments of hell. To know that here I am in this horrible place. Here I am. In this awful place of torment and torture and pain and suffering. And I didn't have to be here. You think this sermon this morning is bad? Imagine hearing it over and over for eternity. See, I don't have scripture to prove it, but I just have in my mind that one of the torments of hell is going to be that big tape player in your brain replaying every sermon you've ever heard, every prayer of that godly mother, every plea of that godly grandmother, grandfather who begged you, who pleaded with you, who cried urged practically on their hands and knees begging you to give your life to Christ. And at that day, the deception is going to be pulled back from your eyes. You see, there are so many people today who are going through this world thinking, I'm all right. There's all kinds of ways to heaven. You know all the things that are being thought. Well, God says in that day, He says that deception. He says it's going to be removed. He says the people are are deceived. They say, look what it says. It says, it'll be well with you. You good? You're fine? Everything's all right? It's well. There are so many people today walking around symbolically singing that old hymn, it is well with my soul. When the truth is their soul is destined to be separated from God for eternity. 
There are so many who are walking around today saying it's well with my soul because I'm not like him. I'm not like her. I don't do what they do. I go to church. I give an offering. I've shared with you before the lady I worked with who says she was going to heaven because she bought fuel for poor people in the winter. It is well. It is well. But the deception, it'll be removed when you fail to repent. Second, third thing, third result. Look in this passage, he continues. And he tells us, beginning in verse 11, he says there that at the time it will be said to the people and to Jerusalem, uh, a hot wind from the bare heights in the desert toward the daughter of my people not to winnow or cleanse. A wind too full uh, for this comes for me. Now it is I who speak judgment upon them. Behold, it comes up like clouds, as chariots, like the winds. The horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are ruined. What Jeremiah's talking about is a phenomenon in the Middle East. Imagine for a moment, not you don't have to imagine, but remember, uh, you have seen maps of Israel. You know how Israel is. Israel's about that wide. <laughs> you know, if you had a really good arm, you could just about throw a hand grenade across Israel, uh, as the Muslims often try. Um, I mean, it's just a little strip of land. And if you remember, uh, on the west coast uh, of Israel is the Mediterranean Sea. On the eastern side, uh, over on this side, is mainly desert. Well, as you can imagine, when the winds blow in from the Mediterranean, as they typically do, it's pretty reasonable. It's a nice, gentle sea, cool breeze. But on a rare occasion, and I can't pronounce the word, uh, those of you who are familiar with hot sauce, it looks a lot like sriracha, um, is the word. The wind will shift, and the wind will blow in off of the desert, and it will be a hot, miserable wind. One archaeologist wrote, about being caught in one of those things. And the thing is, you know how the wind is, the Bible describes it, we don't know where it comes from and we don't know where it goes. You know, I, I think about today, uh, we, you know, I, I'm a bad preacher, I'm going to go ahead and say it, but okay, I went ahead and slapped my own hand. But I see these folks who get caught in hurricanes. And I've got to be honest with you, I, I know what I'm about to say is hard-hearted and cruel and mean and ugly. I know, you don't need to come tell me, you don't need to write me any letters, I got it. But I scratch my head sometimes. I don't know if y'all been watching, they've been talking about Hurricane Larry. And I'm thinking, what a name for a hurricane. Hurricane Larry's got a terrible trailer park somewhere. You know, Hurricane Larry. And they started talking about it. How many of you heard about Hurricane Larry? How long ago did you hear about Hurricane Larry? A week ago? At least? And they start telling us they're coming at least a week ahead of time. Get out. 
move. There's a hurricane coming. Get out. What did they do a hundred years ago when they woke up and Hurricane Larry was at their front door? When they didn't have all these weathermen and people? How did they do that? Well, that's kind of the way these winds would be to them. They had no idea. They didn't have Clyde McLean. Well, I dated myself. Uh, they, didn't have, they didn't have Clyde McLean standing there with his magic marker drawing on a map saying, this is coming. They just got up one day and boom! And the archaeologist describes it. He says the sky gets dark. He says the sand is hurled through the air at, at ridiculous speeds and pierces the skin. The, uh, he says the heat is unbearable as it comes in off of the desert. Forced in. He said you can't avoid it because it's, the, the heat is being wind-driven. And he said it just pierces through everything. Jeremiah says, that's the way the destruction of Judah is going to be. He says, you're going to get up one day, and you're not going to be expecting it. And boom, off the desert, the winds are going to shift, and the heat is going to pierce, and the sand is going to torment, and the skies are going to go dark, and you are going to be tormented. Folks, let me tell you something. We had this conversation this morning. We went out to get in the car, and everybody's had this happen. Go out to get in the car to come to church. Rhonda sticks the key in the switch. Click. Click. Once again, let me just go down a little side road for just a second. How is it we've made it to 2021, and we have cars that will talk to us, stop for us, drive for us, practically go to the store without us. Go in and get your groceries and bring them home. Bring them in and put them up. I mean, it's unbelievable what they have designed a car. Why can't they design a car that a little light will pop up and say, hey, your battery's going dead. Instead of you just go out one morning and it's always the morning you're in a hurry too. Got somewhere to be. Click. Boom, there it is. You don't know what's coming. That's the description God gives through Jeremiah of judgment. See, if God would say today that the rapture is coming, that judgment will take place on September the 18th, 2021, people would be getting in line on September the 17th to get right with God. They'd push it right up to the last minute. But the Bible says we don't know the hour. And we don't know the day. He says there'll be two in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two in the bed. One will be taken and one will be left. Folks, this picture, you, you know how quickly the weather can change. God says, just that quickly. You refuse to repent? How many times have we said, how many times have we heard someone say, oh, I'm going to get right with God one day. I'm going to get right with God someday. 
can I, can I bet you on? I'm not a gambling man, but this is a sure thing. This isn't even a gamble. How many of these statistics, how many of these people who we've seen leave this world as a result of COVID the week before? Have you seen some of them? I saw one this week, and I'm, I'm not a pro or con. You take the shot if you want it, ignore it if you I don't care. But I, I saw one lady who read where she said, it wasn't that I was against the vaccine. It was just I never took the time to do it. But as soon as I get out of this hospital, I'm going to get in line. I bet you if I had these folks in healthcare stand up, I bet you they could tell that story over and over. People who said, I meant to get it. I was going to get it. And I'm not telling you to work. I don't know. But there's a lot of people who are facing their future the very same way. I meant to get right with Jesus. I was going to get right with Jesus. I wanted to get right with Jesus. I thought I was right with Jesus. And then that desert wind blew in in a moment. My kidney doctor told me this week of a 40-year-old that he was caring for. No other conditions went to be with, well, he left this world. I don't know where he went. Just like we don't know how many people, not just COVID, how many people walking down the street in their heart? I've been working for the last year with a church and helping them with their food pantry and helping getting them food. And Miss Geneva called him her man with a truck. That's what she called him. Good guy. And I called Geneva and told her where some groceries were she could go get. And she says, I don't have my man with the truck no more. I thought, what? Why? She says, he just fell over dead. Just like that. Judgment. Destruction. Just like that. And then finally, look at Jeremiah's last point. Beginning in verse 14. He says, Jerusalem, wash your heart from evil that you may be saved. How long shall your wicked thoughts lodge within you? He says, for a voice declares from Dan and proclaims trouble from Mount Ephraim. Warn the nations that he is coming and announce to Jerusalem. The besiegers come from a distant land. Like keepers of a field are they against her all around because she has rebelled against me. Your ways and your deeds has brought this upon you. This is your doom and it is bitter. It has reached your very heart. Final result that I want you to see this morning is delinquency is proven. You know, I've said many times, I wish God would have installed on us. How many of you remember mood rings? Remember mood rings? By the way, some of you didn't need a mood ring. We already knew what mood you was in. <laughs> didn't need to ask. 
We knew. And some of you, the poor old motoring gave up because it was changing so many colors so fast, it didn't know what, it was bouncing around all over the place. I said, I wish God would have had us born with some kind of mood ring that I could look at it. Maybe a little flag that popped up on your head like a parking meter. If you're saved, if you're lost, then we'd know what we're dealing with. Somebody stood up at a business meeting at a church and made a scene. Sit down, your flag ain't up. You ain't even a believer. Sit down. Make it so much easier. But the truth is, I don't know about a single person in this room or anywhere else but me. But God says the day is coming when the delinquency it'll be shown. Remember that passage in Corinthians says, we'll know as we're known? The day is coming. You may deceive everybody in this building. You may have everybody in this room believing that you are the greatest saint ever to draw breath. But one day, when God opens His big book, And he goes down the page looking for your name. And he's going to keep going. And finally he's going to say, depart, for I never knew you. Jerusalem, the Jews, had fooled others. They had fooled themselves. But God says there's a day coming when the truth will be revealed. When we will know, when it will be revealed, and the books will be made public, and some people are going to be walking around heaven going, Where's so and so? Where's so and so? And there's going to be others who open their eyes in hell and go, What? I can't believe I didn't make it. I was such a good person. I bought fuel oil for the cold people and the old people in the weather. Look in that book again. Depart, for I never knew you. Folks, this wasn't real comforting to the people of Israel. They hated Jeremiah, to be honest. If you read the whole book, you'll find they hated Jeremiah. Jeremiah suffered for preaching the truth. It wasn't a popular message then, and it's not a popular message now. But it's one that has to be proclaimed. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm not asking you this morning, if you're a church member... I'm not asking you today if you gave an offering today. I'm not asking you this morning if you hold an office. I'm not asking you how many verses of Scripture you've got memorized. 
I'm not asking you today if you bought fuel oil for the old people in the winter. The question this morning is have we repented and gave our heart and life to Jesus Christ? Whether you're in this room or watching online, whether you're listening on Tuesday, on YouTube, wherever you are, whenever you are, this message is the same all the way back to Jeremiah's days. There is no other way of salvation but to return, to repent, and to give your life to God. Amen. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. In this room or online. If you're online, shoot us an email, comment, call. All that information is right there, wherever you're watching. Facebook, YouTube, on the Internet, wherever you are, you can see our information. If not us, find another Bible-believing church and tell them you need to know about being saved. You're in this room. Well, you've taken a good step. You're in church. But do you know you can die and spend eternity in hell from a church seat? Today is the day of repentance. Because one day the delinquency, the deception, it'll be revealed. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we know today this is not popular. It's not culturally appropriate to tell people they're sinners to tell people they need to repent. But God, you told us that. But the great thing is, you also told us how we can change. You provided, you paid for a way for us to be saved. And God, this morning, whether online, whether in this room, God, there's a lot of good people in this room. There's a lot of good church people in this room. But God, church people need to be saved too. Church people need to repent. God, I pray this morning you'd stir our hearts. If there's one that's lost here today, that today would be the day that they'd come to know Jesus Christ. And we'll give you the honor for it all, for it's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As we stand together. <laughs>
Thank you for your attention this morning. Again, remind you, uh, next week we have, again, a special service for uh, the 20th anniversary of uh, 9-11. And so, again, uh, encourage you to invite someone uh, to church that Sunday. And, um, and just you may not even invite them to church. Say, hey, how about coming with me to a... a uh, a memorial for 9-11. Don't even tell them it's at the church. Just give them the address. Let them figure it out when they get here. Um, and so, um, but uh, remember that next Sunday morning. And um, I said, um, we'll, we'll celebrate or, or memorialize, commemorate that day uh, together. All right, let's pray as we dismiss. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the day you've given us, Lord. God, for allowing us to gather here today. God, I thank you for your word that God tells us about repentance, how to repent, uh, the importance of repentance. And God, I pray this morning that you'll stir someone's heart, that today would be the day that they'd see their need of a Savior and come to know him. For it's in Jesus' lovely name I pray. Amen.